You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I'm your host, Erica Lance. That just hit my hand on the table, so really sorry if anybody heard that. Uh, my co-host today is Daniela Racino, and our amazing guest is Marva Riley. Woo! Woo! Welcome, welcome. Okay, um, don't forget to like and subscribe because we know you have your phone in your hand. Um, Let's talk about what we're drinking. I am drinking out of some drinking with all their swag. Marva, you'll get some of this for being on the show. Um, But I am drinking kind of an interesting concoction, which is real cranberry juice. So like the really tart cranberry juice, vodka. And I put uh, the cranberry Sprite in it. And it is it is a little foamy, not going to lie. You can see it if you're on the YouTube. But it, it's pretty, it's been interesting. It's doing the trick. Um, Danielle, what are you drinking? I'm finishing up the last of my chai latte in my Los mug in honor of Carlos's birthday. He's such a cutie. Los the dragon. Los okay. the dragon. Marva, what are you drinking? I am drinking some hot water with a little bit of lemon juice and some ginger and a little bit of honey. Oh, you're so much healthier than I'm right now. <laughs> I you have cranberry lemon. juice. That counts. Yeah, it's true. I love lemon, ginger, and honey, though. Those are some of my favorite things in the entire world. Okay, let's talk about um, some rapid-fire questions. So if you are ready, what is your favorite book of all time? You know, I have to say the Christian Bible. I know it's not one book, it's a collection of books, but I have to say the Christian Bible is my favorite all-time collection of books. Oh, okay. Yes. What about your least favorite? I've never had anybody say that before, but um, do you read it frequently? You know, when I was going through a traumatic time in my life, physically and emotionally, I read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, four times. <laughs> Very yes. cool. Yes. Um, what about your least favorite book? I'm not sure I have a least favorite. I think anything to do with numbers, I don't care too much for, but I can say that I have a least favorite book or I can't think of one okay what about um uh what is your like what is your preferred reading method do you prefer to read it on ebooks or do you prefer paper books or audio audio I probably like all of them but my I think my preference would be paper because when I read a book I don't like to read it fast I like to read it slowly and I like to underline and highlight and write notes and the margin, et cetera. So I, I like I like to feel the book in my hand for that reason. 
that makes sense. You're uh, being an RN. I'm assuming you guys have a lot of continued study, right? Do you yes. guys have a lot of continued study? Yeah. Um, so that has to make, you know, put a different dynamic to reading when you have to do continuous study of something all the time. Um, do you read a lot of, because your books are in the health realm and mental health realm and stuff, do you read a lot of other books in that realm? I read books written by Dr. Mark Furman in particular, because he is a powerful plant-based medical doctor advocate. But okay. not only do I read his physical books, but I listen to his lectures and interviews and, and things like that. Um, yeah, so yeah, I do. Very cool. When you were doing research for your your book and the diets and stuff, and when you do, do you do a lot of research for your recipes? Do you, how do you come up with them? You know, all the recipes in my book um, are my recipes because I, I don't like to cook I don't like to cook with recipes like a quarter teaspoon of salt, one eighth teaspoon of black pepper, um, two tablespoon of whatever. I kind of cook like the way my grandparents and my dad cooks. Well, I'll put a pinch of salt, a dash of pepper, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it always comes out so perfect. So what I did is each day when I would prepare these delicious meals, actually, my husband would say to me, you got to put that in a book. So I would just quickly go on my phone and quickly write the recipe down, whatever I was doing. And it tasted so good. And that's what I have in my book. I didn't do any research or use anybody else's recipes. They are all mine that I did from scratch and they came out so delicious. I figured other people would enjoy them because they're simple. They're healthy, they're easy, and they're inexpensive because people don't want to have to spend a lot of money on special ingredients and, uh, and, and spend a lot of time. They don't have a lot of time to spend in the kitchen. So I needed to have simple, healthy, easy, and inexpensive recipes in my book, and they're all mine. Oh, no, I agree with you. I always look, it's interesting. I find myself now, when I look up recipes, I go through the ingredient list and go, is this something that I can actually get? Because I remember buying ingredients where I needed like, I mean, a small measurement, but like you need a quarter cup of this thing that comes only in 16 ounces. And you're like, cool. Why? What am I going to do the, with, with the, the rest, rest of this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, clear distilled plum something. And you're like, what do, what do I do with the rest of this clear distilled plum thing that I have? And so instead of the meal, which could have been amazing, but that meal now costs you $300 because you bought all the specialty ingredients because of, I never, I never cooked a meal that was $300. I was overblowing it because that would be nuts, but that's, that is really interesting. Okay. Um, do you watch television and movies? No. no. <laughs> I figured, hence the reason I asked that question, because I was going to ask another question. And then I went, it strikes me that is not her thing. So, um, I, what about, go ahead, Erica, what were you saying? Erica, I have not watched, okay, let me back up. I, for the first time in five years, I went to the movies, I saw Woman King. 
And I saw everything because because I'm on social media, you know, doing what I do. I can't help but seeing all the people raving about Woman King. And my girlfriend said, you've got to see it. (laughs) Okay. So I went to see Woman King and my husband wouldn't go. I said, okay, I'm going by myself. So he dropped me off at the movie theater. I went in there. I saw the movie and he picked me back up and I enjoyed it. But just to watch a movie at home, not really. This Christmas past, I watched Home Alone again because I had watched it several years ago. But That's a classic. That, five years and I have not watched any TV. I'm just not into TV. No, that's, I mean, if, I think that can be good and bad. If it's, you know, sometimes I think we watch way too much TV. Yes. yes. But I do understand what, so what is the most recent book you read? Let me see. I did put it here. Um, Maya Angelou's Mom and Me. My daughter got this book for me. And I read it and I really enjoyed it. I like Maya Angelou's poems and I really like this book a lot. So that was the most recent book that I read. Very cool. What about um, uh, your, let's talk about your fans. So fan interaction, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of fan interaction? Well, what have you done in person? Because we all went through this pandemic for years, right? So there was like a, not a lot of in-person events. What kind of in-person events have you done? I have not done a, a much of any in-person events except a little bit here and there at the library. I need to get out, out of pandemic mode and get out there and interact with, with uh, people a little bit more, uh, especially in my community where I see that there is a big need for what, you know, for, for my message. And my plan for 2023 is to see if I can collaborate with a physician, at least one physician in my little town. I live in a small city with just about 2,000 people. But, oh, wow. Um, yeah, but there are, I see a lot of uh, sick folks here. And the last time I went for my checkup, my doctor was, you know, had a little bit of discussion with me. And I, I'd like to collaborate with him and see if I can do some maybe some uh, seminars. Um, I know my church asked if I could do a seminar in the spring for them. So I think this year will be my year to go to get out of pandemic mode and just start interacting and mingling with um, with folks uh, some more. Many of my fans are not in one place. They I have folks in um, in in the, in Europe. And um, Canada, minded, and all over, yes, all over the U.S. and Jamaica and stuff like that. So it's a little difficult to kind of huddle with my fans, other than on social media. But I'd like to make some fans of the local people and community, which I plan to do um, this year. What about maybe um? collaborating with a nurse practitioner because I would think a nurse practitioner would probably be more open to collaborating with another nurse because we tend to support more but a nurse practitioner might be a better way to go or collaborating on a health and wellness day I know a lot of hospitals are starting to do that more as they as the volume comes back down from COVID would that be a possibility or a nursing home community center something like that 
Yes. It's, it's interesting that you said that, Daniel, because the, the physician I referred to is actually a nurse practitioner. Um, he's, he's a nurse practitioner and is very open uh, to that. And I have such high regard for nurse practitioners because when I was having my cardiac issues, the medical doctor who was my doctor for over 12 years kept telling me that what I was experiencing was in my head. And that I, you know, I was depressed and it was in my head. And it was a nurse practitioner who said, you're not going home today. I'm going to hook you up to a 12 lead EKG. And she's the one who saw my heart going like that. And she's the one who said, you're not going home. I'm going to send you directly to see a cardiologist. So I have a high regard for, for, doc, for medical doctors, yes. But I have a very high regard for nurse practitioners and this person I'm referring to as my doctor is, is a nurse practitioner that is very, very knowledgeable. Um, in fact, when I went there, he told me, he said, you're in the top uh, uh, 99, in the top 1% of the healthiest people that I see in my office. I was talking with him because he's a little bit chubby. And when I went back there three months after that, he said, guess what, Marva? I lost. 30 pounds, I embraced the keto diet and I'm exercising and I've lost 30 pounds in like, I think four months or something like that. So yeah, I believe we can collaborate. And that's one of the things that I intend to discuss with him um, this year. That's great. Very yeah. cool, very, very cool. Okay, um, what about, uh, what has it been like to just, when you've got your first fan email or letter or whatever, what was that like for you? Oh my gosh. It was, every time I get a positive review, it just ramps me up because as you all, I'm sure know, um, you will get the positive feedback and you will get the negative feedback. The, 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 the positive feedback would just get my energy flowing and make me realize that whatever I've written about is relevant, that people appreciate it. Now, what threw me for a loop was when I got my first negative review um, on Amazon, I got a, a three star because everybody else was giving me five stars and one person gave me a three or two star. And it's important to look at those stars and those people who give you a one or two or three. Is there validity to what they're saying? You mm -hmm. know, and then try to improve on whatever they're saying. Also, when I went on Facebook, there was one person who was a retired English teacher. And she was always, everything I posted on Facebook, she would go through it with fine teeth comb <laughs> and correct it grammatically spelling and that kind of thing and at first it used to annoy me but then my husband said it should not annoy you it's a learning experience you can learn from everybody and that's the stance I take now I appreciate those who give me a five star and say well done Marva but those who say you could have done better in this area or in that area I also take it seriously and try to constantly improve my craft. Well, I think that is great. I would also take some of that with a grain of salt because you're going to have critics regardless. It doesn't yeah. matter how great you are. I always say, if you want to 
pick um, a fiction book like the one you just read, right, mm -hmm. from uh, Maya Angelou, and go on Amazon and just click on the one-star reviews. They're there because of, you know, popular, but that gives you an idea that not everybody loves every book. You know, that's, that's how it works. Not every person finds every book meaningful. And so you have to remember, we live in a society now where people get to sit behind a computer screen and spout out opinions without, because you just go, would this person actually come up to me and say this to me? Is it that constructive where they would go, Hey, you know, this, this, and this, or are they just like, I'm behind a computer screen. I can just bark stuff. You know, it's great. Yeah. You were an English teacher. Not every English teacher is perfect in English. I would love that to be the case, but that's not. And especially older English teachers who are set in their ways. Some of them don't necessarily get it. And does she read what you write or what you talk about? No, then shut up and go bother somebody else. You know, like, she gave me one of the best reviews on Amazon. One of the best. I mean, I think her review was maybe two pages long. It's like Amazon's top review. But for some reason, she was just quite antagonistic on, on social media. But you're going to have some of those. And um, this morning I was listening to a podcaster who was a big following on Instagram, because I learned from those people also. And uh, and he was saying he get a lot of hate messages after he does his podcast. So I figure I'm not, I'm not alone. I just have to grow thick skin and be able to deal with those who give me negative reviews or not so negative and those that deal with the positive because that's just the way. That's just are. part of the game. Yes. Oh my God. So part of the game. I always think it's interesting when I talk to authors and they haven't had a, like a, a one or two star review. I'm like, it's actually kind of good to like have that happen because then it's done. You can move on with it, you know? Um, yep. Danielle. Uh, I would want to know what your, uh, what your stance is on naturopathy. Do you feel naturopathic doctors uh, are more open in the sense of patient care? Do you think they take more time with their patients? Uh, do you think that they should be regulated in every state? Because I think right now they're only regulated in 14, 13, 14 states. Uh, and I know there's talk of allowing them to prescribe antibiotics. What's your stance on that? I'm a strong advocate for naturopathic um, medicine, a strong, because my experience has been that they look at the human holistically. They're not, my experience with medical doctors, for example, and I'm not saying it's every one of them, it's a generalization, is that they tend to treat the symptom. You have, you have hypertension and I'm gonna put you on such and such a pill. You have, your blood sugar is high, on the blood test and I'm gonna put you on such and such a pill. I have never been to a medical doctor even when I was sick for so many years and none of them has ever asked me, what is your diet like? What do you eat? Do you exercise? Are you sleeping? How stressed out you are? Never. They would be quick to prescribe a drug. Whereas the naturopathic, and, I, and that's what I see in, in my field of practice as a nurse. 
They, first of all, the medical doctor oftentimes comes into the, the hospital room and they don't spend more than a minute with the patients. And the patient is, is talking to them and they're leaving the room while the patient is talking to them. Now, what I see with naturopathic physician is that they'll pull up a chair. That's my experience. They'll pull up a chair because they want to understand the holistic aspect of your life. Why aren't you sleeping? Is it because maybe you're eating too late or maybe that wine you're drinking is wiring you as opposed to putting you to sleep? Could it be that you're going through a divorce or is it that your children are causing you stress? They look at the big picture and they address the big picture. That's been my experience, okay? So I am big on naturopathic uh, care because I don't believe that drug is the answer. Because if you're hypertensive and you have diabetes, for example, what's leading to that? Why, why are you hypertensive? And why is your blood sugar high? You need to get to the source, the reason, address the root cause, as they say in nursing, root cause analysis, address the root cause, and then you eliminate the problem. So um, in terms of regulation, I think a lot of professions are overly regulated and it ties the hands of a lot of professionals and a lot of it is money driven more insurance driven at any at this point in time because yeah. i know with veterinarians they in order to practice holistically or homeopathic naturopathic they actually vets have to go through the full training that they normally would then they have to take another couple years in order to treat holistically that's right. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if, you know, I know with naturopathy, it's different. Mm -hmm. they, they complete their college, whatever it is, their bachelor's, and then they can just go to naturopathy school. So whereas it's, it's amazing to me that vets have to go through veterinarian school as they normally would, then go on to naturopathy or holistic training. And mm -hmm. we do that for animals, but for humans, mm -hmm. we don't do that. It, it's just to me a little mind boggling that we can take that and then naturopathy is only allowed in 13 to 14 states where you can call them a doctor or it's regulated okay. in the rest of the U S they're not, you know, they don't, they can practice, but they're not doctors. There's all these little fine lines to get away. And there's only a few naturopathy schools in the U S. So I was just wondering for your opinion on that. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of my opinion. I, I, I think this, this, there's too many regulations. Um, I mean, even if we go outside of the, that field, I, I know, for example, when I lived in, in Florida, if you were going to be a barber or even if you braid hair, you had to go to cosmetology school and get a license to practice cosmetology, even if you're not using chemicals on anybody's hair. You're a barber who shaves somebody's hair or you mm -hmm. do braids and you're not using chemical. I come to Georgia and it's not the same. If you're a barber, so long as you're not farming or putting chemicals, you don't need to go to a cosmetology school. If you do braids and wigs and weaves and things like that, you don't have to go to cosmetology school. And I also remember years ago, if you were a nurse in Florida, you practiced in Florida and that was it. You, if you wanted to go to New York, you had to go apply and sit some something to get permission or licensure to practice in, 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 in New York. Now, because there's such a desperate shortage for nurses, they have this contact license. 
where you know you're licensed in Florida and you can practice in 12 other states without getting a separate license. So a lot of times these regulations are money because you know the, the more regulation each time you have to pay for these classes and these courses and stuff like that. I'm not sure it's saying folks should not be held accountable, but a lot of times I think it's you know perhaps ulterior motive, but <laughs> I also think, I mean, I think it's money motivated, but I will say this. I think it used to be that you had people that would do a trade and then you had people that would apprentice under the trade and there were guilds. I mean, I'm going back, you know, things, well, it used to be a barber was a surgeon too. Back mm -hmm. in the day, that was a whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and now you have people I, I can see, like, I agree with you. There's a lot of money motivation, but there are also reactions, I think, to um, things not being done uh, correctly and not having a way to go, was this done correctly? Did this person learn? And you talk about, you know, um, certain skill sets. I remember a friend of mine who went to cosmetology school did not learn how to do braids or how to do weaves or how to do wigs or any of the stuff that you see like that. That wasn't what they were taught in mm -hmm. this cosmetology school at all. So coming out and trying to learn that, they had to go apprentice with some people that knew how to do that correctly. Because just because you went to cosmetology school also doesn't mean that you're perfect at everything. You have some very good ground rules, but it's kind of like internships and stuff like that. But you also have people that, you know, would you you don't want necessarily practicing doing something on you without better knowledge on doing it you know like I wouldn't want somebody like I look at midwives and midwives tend to train with each other and everything like that um and I think the way that both my kids had midwives I think they're amazing right and should be part of a lot of the birthing processes outside of just the doctors and the nurses, because there's a whole different technique that they have to doing it slightly more natural. But at the same time, I don't think I'd want somebody who was like, yeah, no, I read a couple books on being five and blah, blah, blah. Yep, like, and I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm like, you're not touching this. Thanks. So I appreciate you being here. So I, <laughs> I definitely think there's a balance, but I think there needs to be more um, apprenticing, more internshiping, more ways to like actually learn. Because one of the things I always used to say, and wow, this is a fun tangent we're on, but I was Sorry an HR that. professional in my, my previous life. And one of the things that I found was people would show up to with resumes, having gone to four years of business college, right? Who did not know how to actually do business and not because mm -hmm. the schools were bad or everything, but it's just academic versus actual, this is how it works. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, that's cool. I'm very proud of you for going to college, but you need to start here because you don't know how to do this stuff, even though you went to college. So it's I ran into that a lot. No, Erica, even it's as nursing. It happened exactly the same thing happens in nursing. There, there are many nurses who graduate from a uh, uh, nursing school and uh, never put a urinary catheter in because they never had the yep. opportunity. And I remember I used to work in an open heart unit uh, someplace, I won't say where, but when they started having the robotics uh, open heart surgery, 
these surgeons mm -hmm. had never, they went to some class. They were open heart surgeons who did open heart surgery the traditional way, but they had never used robotics and they, they had courses. And then they started doing robotic open heart surgery. And I'm telling you, a lot of patients died while they were practicing. And that's everything. They died because from ble you know, ble or bleeding too much or infection or cutting too deep or whatever the cause was, many patients died while physicians were practicing robotic uh, open heart surgery. But now robotic open heart surgery is the way. Physicians it's a standard. Are, it's a standard. Mm -hmm. They're not doing open heart surgery the traditional way. I also remember working in a genital urinary uh, unit where they did prostatectomy, removing the prostate traditionally. And when they started using robotics to remove the prostate, a lot of men uh, ended up bleeding a lot, infection or forever incontinent. So uh, yeah, I understand we want the training and the certification and all of that, but even folks who are trained and certified and stuff like that initially, when they start, practicing, because that's what it is, there's going to be some mess up until they perf perfect their craft. I, I agree. That's why I said apprenticing and yeah. having somebody there, because I've also been in hospitals like I happen to be, I've had way too many surgeries, but I, I have, I've been in hospitals with friends, for instance, where they can't find a vein and they're like, oh, many times other nurses and other nurses. And I'm like, do you leave it? You're, you're a nurse in an ER. Like, have you not apprenticed enough with these kind of situations? And they're calling like- It's not, it's, that's not, that's not a skill that's taught. Normally like LPN, you are not, that's nothing that's taught. That's a separate certification and an IV, um, an eight hour IV seminar. And you're given foam, uh, memory foam with a vein drawn on it. And that that's, that's how it's taught nowadays. Not, not a human. You, 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 yeah, you have yeah. a mannequin. Well, you practice mm -hmm. with a mannequin that has veins that are big, and then if you you're lucky. Exactly, maybe if you're lucky. And yep. then you get into the hospital setting, and you have an 80-year-old grandma whose veins are very frail, and she's dehydrated. That's a different situation. So, yeah. um, that's your next book: the state of healthcare nursing, <laughs> how we're taught. Yeah, yeah. That's very wow. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. Danielle, final question, my friend. Didn't I just blow us on the whole tangent? <laughs> yeah, you did. So tangent. So, it's okay. Sorry about that. Um, oh, next, okay. Let me think first. Oh, okay. Here, I've got one. Uh, you probably haven't read anything like this in a long time, but as a child, what was your favorite fairy tale? You know, I grew up in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So there were some Jamaican fairy tales that I'm sure you yep. found. <laughs> okay. Give it to us. There was, there was one called uh, Anansi. Okay. And Anansi was um, a, a, a spider. Okay. And uh, Anansi, the spider, was always getting himself into one trouble or the other. So that was, that, that was my favorite fairy tale uh, growing up in Jamaica, the Anansi story. There we go. 
<laughs> okay, Marva, shameless self-promotion time again. How do people find you in your books? Okay, um, I've written three books. The first one is Eat, Sleep, Meditate, A Nurse's Guide to Health. That was published in 2020. Then I wrote my recipe book called Share. And then I just released my new book, Lose Weight and Keeping, Keep It All for Good, Understanding the Weight Loss Game. My books are all available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target, and my website, rnmarvariley.com. I actually forgot to say that my books are also available in the Georgia, the state of Georgia public library system, and also in the public library system in Jamaica. And I'm working currently on getting it in the Florida public library system and so on and so forth. So my books are available on Amazon. That's my main distributor, but all those other places. The ebook is $4.99. The paperback is $9.99. And I'm not sure if you asked me how they can con contact me. Did you say that, Erica? I did. How can they contact you? <laughs> I am on all social, major social media platforms. I'm on YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook. I have a Facebook health and wellness support group called The Doctor in You. You can send me an invite and we'll accept you. I am on LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok. Um, I also have a monthly health, free monthly health and wellness newsletter that you can sign up for on my website, Riley. Com. I think I've very cool. Very, very Yay. cool. You have been so fantastic. And I love what you're doing, helping people. That's so amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Guys, this has been Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs edition. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the amazing Danielle Orsino. Our guest has been Marva Riley. And we will see. Oh, don't forget to don't like. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Oh, man, man, that's on top of it. And we will see you guys next time. Howdy. Listen up. I am talking. Now, the question of the hour is, who's got a Doctor Who podcast? Answer, we do. Next question, who's listening to it? Answer, you are. If you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship and you've got any plans to listen to a Doctor Who podcast, just remember who's standing in your way. And then, do the smart thing. Listen to Earth Station Who right here on the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.